The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Back from our one week hiatus, Clay Link along with James Anderson, lead prospect writer. James back from his trip to see several minor league clubs, several top prospects. We'll get into many of those players, but James, we're also going to be beginning our hip hop top ten countdowns later in the show. We'll end the show with that. It went back and forth. You know, that was a tough process to settle on ten, but I think. I think I've done it. It's, you know, we want to eliminate the subjectivity of it somewhat, but it's hard to do. It's so subjective. You're listening to your top 10 hip-hop albums of all time, but I also want to ask you quickly what you've thought about some of these trades we've seen in recent days. What do you think about maybe some of the returns and some of the top names changing clubs? All right, well, where do you want to start? Uh, I mean, it's we've had, what, like five or six like notable trades probably yeah, since the last time? Um, what about the Yankees and the, the White Sox? Right, okay, so I thought that was pretty fair. Uh, you know, you're talking about a guy like Todd Frazier, who I just don't think there was 
much of a strong market for. Um, you know, those the two relievers they get are, are really nice, but you know, the only one you get long term is is Conley. So, you know, Rutherford's a top fifty prospect I, in my opinion. I think maybe maybe that's borderline. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th- to get a guy like that back for for that package, it's it's fine. I mean, you you want to trade relievers when you're a rebuilding club at their the peak of their value i think they definitely did that with with those two guys uh moving quickly there and and they were able to uh you know the the other guys they got in that deal um aren't that aren't that interesting but uh still still a pretty solid return there uh i mean Harkins, all right maybe i mean he's he's maybe like a fifth starter uh, up and down type, but just a, a nice depth arm to have. Uh, Tito Polo's a guy that's already been traded twice now, and he's—I don't even know if he's reached Double A yet, but he's—you know—he's a semi-interesting bat. But uh, Rutherford, obviously, the big piece there. I, I think the most fascinating trade was the the JD Martinez one because obviously the return is incredibly light based on just how good Martinez is, but I think it more so speaks to the lack of demand for outfielders on the trade market right now, because you just every team, like you're either a contending team and your outfield is set or you're a seller and you've got outfielders to, to try to sell. So like, you know, get trading a guy like JD Martinez, you would think you'd be able to get a huge haul, but there aren't, there just aren't a ton of teams that have a huge need in an outfield corner and are contending. So, and he's of course he's just a rental, right? I mean, I I think the move if if this was the best package on the table, none of those guys are in our top four hundred. Uh, I don't even think the. Uh, let me pull up the Diamondbacks top twenty. I mean, I I don't even think they traded a top seven prospect in their system to get JD Martinez, and he's or and, and this is a system that before the year might have been the worst system in baseball. They've done a, a great job of overhauling it and, and really getting it, you know, it's, it might not, not even be a top or a bottom five system anymore. Uh, so, I mean, to turn guys like that, that weren't even like your top prospects in a, in a fairly mediocre system to get a guy like JD Martinez, I love. Uh, but I think if that's the best package on the table in your Detroit, it makes more sense to me to just hold him right up until the deadline, see if someone suffers an injury and try to catch a team that's, that's willing to make a desperate move, or maybe try to package him with a guy like uh, Justin Wilson or something like that, and get a you know at least a top one hundred type of prospect back. Or like the White White Sox did with Frazier and right, those guys. Yeah. right, exactly. Like if if they had just traded Frazier, the package would have been probably similar I mean, to this. One. We wouldn't even I, I I might not even know who half the guys in, the, in a Todd Frazier package would be. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, this is not a great package and i think it's fair to say that it's not like and anyone that's just kind of you know i saw some tigers beat writers you know saying you know oh like fans are getting mad they don't even know who these prospects are like it's not a good return like you can't sugarcoat the return mm-hmm. but i do think it's worth pointing out that there probably weren't uh wasn't a ton of interest from other teams yeah pretty brilliant move on the diamondbacks part yeah i was looking at that return Dewell lugo or whatever his name is it's just like he's just ugh. like a, a stumpy third baseman yeah. who's probably like a i mean he's he's like a poor man's 
Yasmani Tomas, maybe. Like, I mean, he's just not a he's a he's a bad defender who really doesn't have a home, especially in the National League. Probably won't hit enough to profile at the positions he he can masquerade at. So, you know, it, I mean, he's oh, a bad defender at third as well because I know he was playing short in past years. Yeah, I I don't see him as a as a average third baseman. He might be a below average third baseman and we we saw him in the fall league briefly at the the fall stars game he just i don't know he doesn't doesn't look like a regular to me uh they they might have gotten three bench players and maybe one of the three outperforms everyone's expectations but um yeah not not a not a great haul by any means interesting well the uh, with the white Sox rather have done over the past calendar year has been amazing really pretty much now far and away the top farm system in baseball and I know I regularly vent about the Reds on this show, but I got to do it again because I heard Dick Williams saying that, you know, we're not going to sell any of our like, you know, multi-year assets. We think our window is opening up. Come on. The Reds window is not opening up right now. It's a situation where, yeah, I mean, maybe you want to stretch out Rice Iglesias next year and you think he could maybe hold up to that workload, but I mean, a, a value of a guy like that in his current role is capped. Obviously, there's only so much a, a reliever can impact a game, even at the back end. And I, I think the the return that they could get for a guy like that is huge. And they're they're really missing an opportunity to sell not only him, but a guy like Cozart and some others that they could package, maybe like the White Sox did. Yeah, I I, I would quickly just push back on the idea that the White Sox have far and away the best system. Really? Uh, they might have the best top five, but I think there are five or six teams that have a better five through 20 and there are maybe 15 teams that have a better 15 through 30. So it's, it's just not a, they're still lacking depth that you can really dream on. Like they, they have those, those, you know, exciting guys at the top of the system uh, in, you know, Mancata, Jimenez, Kopech, Rutherford, Cease and Robert. Uh, You could, if you're really high on Zach Collins or Alec Hansen or Lucas Giolito, Lopez, I'm I'm not all that high on any of those guys except maybe Hansen. But I, I mean, I think you could look at teams like the the Dodgers, uh, Padres, Brewers, Yankees. I mean, those teams, the Braves, like those teams, all have so much more depth than the White Sox and some impact at the top. So I think they they're in the mix for for that number one spot. But I definitely don't think it's a slam dunk. Interesting. Well, yeah, obviously <clears throat> defer to you on that, but. Top heavy for sure. Those top top talents in there are really interesting. They may add more. I mean, they could trade Anthony Swarzak. Their assets at the major league level are running out, but they still have a few. They could add a couple more pieces at the deadline. They, they did. They did really well to yeah. hold out for that uh, Cubs package because I, I know that they they probably had packages available to them. You know, for over a year on Quintana that they just you know I, I I'm. I'm picturing the package that the Astros probably floated for him. And I'm, I'm guessing it was, did not include Kyle Tucker, uh, you know, probably included a guy like Francis Martes, maybe Derek Fisher, something like that. I think, I think holding out and getting a guy like Ila Jimenez to, to headline that and taking advantage of a Cubs team that was, that was really in a desperate spot, uh, was, was a pretty brilliant move by them. I'm just frustrated that the Reds, even with Walt Jockety stepping down, Dick Williams taking over, that they're just still behind the eight ball. At the you know among major league clubs, their their window is not opening up. It's and they have you know, Luis Castillo has been impressive and Iglesias has been really good, but they're just so far away on the pitching side. The offense looks okay, but I mean 
we've said it. I mean, we've said it plenty of times. They could they could end up with the best bullpen in baseball uh, <laughs> pretty soon here. Uh, don't it's know who's going to be starting the games, but <laughs> not, not backhanded. Well, let's move on to your farm futures piece, James. Your road trip report, and before we dive into the players, I need to get some of these town grades. Oh, right. Were they all all better than South Bend? I imagine. So the let's just start with the first the first spot. Uh, so I went to Mahoning Valley, uh, short season affiliate of the Indians, uh, facing uh, or hosting uh, Brooklyn, short season affiliate of the Mets. The reason I chose to go there was because it was uh, last Tuesday. And the minor league calendar that day was really light. So, you know, there were games going on in the New York Penn League and I believe one other league that day. And that was kind of when I was looking to get away. So if I wanted to catch a game that night, it was going to have to be something on the calendar. Uh, Mahoning Valley's, uh, you know, a pretty loaded roster in terms of uh, uh, the hitters they have. So I went there. That's in Niles, Ohio, right by Youngstown, Ohio. Now, you know, not as bad as South Bend, obviously, uh, but you know we're, we're not talking about even a, a forty-five. We're not even talking about a fringe average city here. I mean, this is a, a clear below-average town. I would I would probably throw you know maybe a thirty, thirty-five on it, something like that. Uh, people are very nice. Like I will, I will definitely say that people are very nice, uh, but just not not a ton to do there um there were there were some sketchy parts of town that i that i drove through but it wasn't it wasn't like south bend where it where it seemed like it was you know segregated from like the late 60s or anything like that mm-hmm. uh so that wasn't that wasn't a great stop but i mean stopped in cleveland on the way there for for lunch and you know cleveland's a, a pretty underrated town in my book so i mean hats off to ohio for having cleveland lesser yeah lesser grades for having youngstown and niles but People were great there. I don't want to don't want to offend the people. Just just not a great town. Mm-hmm. Uh, next stop was was Asheville, North Carolina. That that's a hell of a town. Uh, I've never been there. I've driven through, but never have stopped. Would highly recommend checking out Asheville. And I will say the drive from uh, Northeast Ohio to North Carolina was amazing. I got to go through um, go through like the Smoky Mountains. Went through the Smokies and the uh, the Appalachian Mountains in uh, West Virginia, um, nice. and the the cops were 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 kind enough to not really be in the mix on the road, so was just was just burning through those those winding mountain roads, which was, which was great. Uh, so so hats off to those roads. I mean, definitely a plus plus drive from from Northeast Ohio to North Carolina. Would recommend that. But yeah, Asheville. Tons of great places to to go get a drink. Uh, really, really nice barbecue. I went to a place called Twelve Bones, which was absolutely excellent. Uh, the town was just. It kind of reminded me of a more, you know, maybe a, a nicer, more mountainous Madison, Wisconsin. Honestly, mm. I mean, it was it was just the people were super chill. Like you could tell in this part of the country, there's not a lot of places that. Uh, did not vote for our current president. I'm I'm guaranteeing you Asheville was heavily uh going the other way on that. So I mean that's if you're if you're gonna live in that part of the country, to me Asheville, really nice really nice place to post up. I, I'd throw probably a sixty five on, on Asheville if we're just nice. kinda going twenty eighty scale of US towns, not world towns, but 
great town, Asheville. Uh, Pensacola is to me, uh, that was a, a wild place because the, the ballpark there, I mean, it was too nice. It was kind of like a country club. Like it was, Weird. it was, uh, really catering to, to old folks. Uh, it was, it was con- sense, country yeah. club slash retirement community. Uh, if we're just talking, you know, ge- geographically, this was a great town, uh, clean town. The towns I drove through on the way there through mm-hmm. Northern Alabama, the, the Northern part of the panhandle in Florida, I mean, a lot of 20s. I mean, places that were so bad that I almost feel bad making fun of them because of how bad they were. Like, yeah. I feel, like, bad for the people that have to live there, can't really get out. Uh, but yeah, It stops being funny at that point. Right. It's funny to make fun of South Bend because, like, <laughs> they have money yeah. and they just choose to be terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, these places, I mean, it was just really bad. But, yeah, Pensacola was, it was just very... Uh, not my scene, I guess, in terms of just the, the people. They were, they were nice, too, but also nice in kind of a... I was lucky to be a, a white male, uh, <laughs> that, that kind of way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was interesting. I mean, the, the, the ballpark at Pensacola, like I said, like, it was a little too nice for me. I loved the park at Asheville, really kind of a, an old-school park with, like, just trees all throughout the outfield. Uh, but in Pensacola, I mean, it was right on the, right on the bay. So that, that was kind of a a nice view, but, um, I would, I would probably throw a a 45 maybe on Pensacola. Nice, man. Well, glad to see you back in one piece. I was taking a similar road trip, not, you know, the exact same route, but I went from Madison, Wisconsin to Charleston, North Carolina the week before and, you know, went through the Smokies as well and kind of probably took some of the same highways and, uh, I had to stop at a rest stop in Tennessee. They're flying that Soviet, uh, not Soviet, the Confederate flag yeah. very yeah. proudly. Yeah, wow. Hey. It's just really weird to see that. <laughs> uh, still going, but didn't see any Confederate monuments or anything like that. But uh, the, the flag is just weird to see up and just a, a different vibe down there the further south you go. I'm not, not so used to it anymore. But let's get into some of these players that you saw. You got to see Nick Senzel when you were with Pensacola. Obviously, I'm very excited about him as a Reds fan. Did sell off one of my shares in in uh, our keeper league, but he's holding his own, really, actually even better than he was at, at uh, Daytona before moving up to Pensacola. Three homers. He's got just one steal and, and four attempts with the double a affiliate but 10 steals on the year good power speed combo here what did your eyes tell you with nick senzel you know he just he doesn't look like your typical third baseman and he he kind of looks like a you know what you expect out of like a typical second baseman really you know he's six one that might even be a little generous uh but he's not going to put up typical third baseman numbers. It's fine. Like it's not like we're expecting Nick Senzel to hit two eighty five, two ninety with thirty plus homers. Like this is a guy that's going to go double double homer speed for a good chunk of his twenties. I mean, he's legitimately fast, uh, above average runner right now. He he had an opposite field double off of Mike Soroka in this game, and I. I mean, he was burning. He was he was going real hard from from home to second. So it's going to be a really unique package. It's going to be kind of a, you know, maybe a, a poor man's 
Paul Goldschmidt type of a package where you're getting average, you're getting some homers, some steals. He's going to be hitting in a really nice spot in the lineup, so you're going to get plenty of runs and RBI. Uh, just just a really unique player. Uh, nothing that would make me move him up. Nothing that would make me move him down. I was just it was kind of as advertised with Nick Senzel. Leody Tavares got to see him at Hickory or with Hickory, and he's you know. Has a look of a five-tool difference maker in future years, but still very, very young. How do you think this this body is going to fill out? It's it's going to be perfect. It's it's really just the the prototypical frame you want from a eighteen-year-old guy that might be able to do uh, contributions in in all five categories. Uh, five-tool potential in real life. He's definitely going to stick in center field. He's super athletic, super quick twitch. Uh, you know, he just really stands out when you're watching that that Hickory team. I mean, there there's some guys that that look pretty good in a uniform, but I mean, he definitely stood out as as the guy to keep an eye on. Uh, he hasn't gotten off to a crazy hot start this year, which I think most years, or even maybe maybe not in the last couple of years, but most years what Tavares is doing as an 18 year old at low a everyone would just be like wow man this guy's really holding his own people would be praising him but you have guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. Juan Soto Jesus Sanchez really mashing at at low a at a similar age so I think people are maybe slightly disappointed in what Tavares is doing I I think that's a, a big mistake um he I I kind of compared the way I, I see him developing to the way Ahmed Rosario developed, where this was a guy everyone knew who Ahmed Rosario was after he signed, after he was in rookie ball, really opened some eyes. And then he, you know, it took him a while. He was at getting aggressive assignments, wasn't really doing a ton in terms of the, the numbers in the lower levels. But then something clicked uh, last year as a 20 year old at, at high A when he headed back to high A for a second time. And he just really broke out. I, I kind of see that happening with Yodi Tavares sooner than later, where he'll get to a level. People will be kind of sleeping on him a little bit. He'll he'll probably still be ranked as a top fifty guy just because of the the defensive potential in center field. But when it does click, it's it's going to be pretty special. Yeah, you offered me Leodi Tavares in a trade, I think, earlier this year. Staff three, maybe. I think I turned it down and went another route. I think maybe we're talking Robinson Cano. I forget exactly how it panned out, but I do kind of regret not working another avenue maybe to get Tavares because, man, he is interesting. But I, I definitely think it's definitely worth kicking the tires on him. If you're in a dynasty league right now, like you're not going to truly be able to buy low because everyone knows he's he's still a stud, but you, this is going to be as cheap, I think, as, as he's going to be. Let me hit the pause button on this article real quick and just ask you because we didn't get a chance or I didn't get a chance to ask you or talk about this with you on the show since we've been off for what two weeks now but you were on a hell of a heater before we both took our respective trips you uh calling several call-ups <laughs> and you're still on a heater because we haven't given you a chance to continue it so shit I'll put um, you on the spot and say who's next man uh I mean you could say Ahmed Rosario and just <laughs> take that route. no i mean i <sighs> come on just say it i'm waiting i'm stashing just, just say it you have the magic touch oh uh, man um i had some names in mind let me let me try to think here um 
well, shoot. I mean, it's tough. But you called two straight. You I called call uh, Nick straight. Williams and somebody else too. Uh, man, I think I think we're. I mean, I think Verdugo is going to be up any day now. Okay. Uh, Excuse me. Man, it's you kind of wonder what what it's going to take, what it's got to take at this point for a guy like Chance Adams to get a shot. I mean, he's he's probably getting stashed in, yeah. in plenty of places. Um, Seems like a good one. What about Tyler O'Neill? He's heating up. <clears throat> yeah, I don't. I just don't really see at bats for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with Hanniger coming back, uh, you know Derek Fisher's got to be back soon. I'll just I'll go with uh, ah screw it I'll go with I'll go with Devers I think Devers wow. will, I think Devers will be up Wow okay uh, but I I, I mean know they're still talking about maybe acquiring a third baseman but yeah I was talking with Derek and I really don't think. And maybe it wasn't the case with Frazier, but I think with the available third baseman on the market, there's really little, if any, gap between them and what Devers could do right away. Well, right, and and you know you're 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 either trading for a rental or you're bringing up Devers. You're obviously not trading for anyone that's going to block Devers next year. I mean, he he hasn't skipped a beat since since getting up to AAA. I think that they're just going to look at that. I mean, I, I definitely think they were in on Todd Frazier if they could get him on the the dirt cheap, mm-hmm. which I think is probably what most teams were were sniffing around on him at. And you know, I think they're just going to kind of regroup and, and look at the options. I don't I don't see who that third baseman is that you can go get right now. That, like you said, is even uh, a potential upgrade over over what devers could bring right now so i think he'll be up uh pretty soon here and those other guys we mentioned verdugo adams fisher definitely guys to keep an eye on but i think devers this is this is definitely the week to go go snatch him up if he's still out there very interesting well i had to give you a chance to to extend your streak <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's yeah, been right. pretty crazy right uh so yeah i actually had a bit on devers in one of our staff leagues but our colleague kevin o'brien beat me out by a pretty good amount six bucks but in a 17 team league at this point i think that's kind of smart because yeah he's looked great at triple a and i really think he could come up and unlike yon mancata last year kind of make a difference over the stretch run you saw mike soroka right hander in the braves organization with mississippi and the the line really impressive four hits six strikeouts no walks over seven shutout innings uh, that that line does kind of speak for itself, but anything you saw that was that gave you even more reason for optimism. He just, I mean, he looks super legit. Uh, he he really cuts the figure of what you're looking for in a in a 19 year old pitching prospect. Uh, really wanted to get a chance to talk with him, but didn't work out. Uh, it was his day to pitch, obviously, but yeah, I mean it's it's still just absolutely remarkable what he's doing as a 19 year old pitcher at double a and i i think just looking at the numbers you might might get a little carried away on the eventual upside i mean there's there's not a plus plus pitch in this repertoire so it's it's hard to make a case for him being more than than maybe just a a, a really solid number three but 
he was, you know, he was changing eye levels with that fastball, locating it in, in all quadrants all, all game long. You know, that's a, that was a pretty, pretty damn good Pensacola lineup. And, and he made some of their best hitters look foolish in certain at bats. The, the slider was working really well as a chase pitch. Uh, he didn't throw a ton of changeups. He was, he was, but he was 91, 93 with the fastball, uh, and, and hitters were, were forced to kind of sit on that pitch. So when he did throw a changeup, it, it was usually pretty effective. Uh, posted video of, of the last two pitches of an at-bat where he strikes out Nick Senzel. Obviously, no shame in striking out against Mike Soroka if you're Nick Senzel. I mean, it's righty-righty. You're facing one of the best pitchers in the league. You've only been up at double-A for uh, a little over a dozen games. So no shame in that. But, I mean, Senzel definitely didn't really have a chance in this one yeah those are very interesting clips you you put in here embedded into your article and you know i'm not doug thorburn i'm not trying to get my mechanics hat on but just looking at this these clips over and over it does seem like he has a pretty nice clean repeatable delivery mike soroka he has a little bit of that like backward leg kick but it seems all very smooth and fluid yeah you would i mean he he looks he looks exactly what you would expect a 19-year-old that's having success at double-A to look like. I mean, it, you can tell why he's not had any real bumps in the road. Like, there's there's not – there haven't been many growing pains for him. Uh, I think he's going to be up at triple-A probably whenever a spot opens up in that rotation. Uh, and I don't think he'll be up in the big leagues this year, but I, I do think he'll be – spending probably the majority of 2018 in the big league rotation so i mean he's really really pushed up his eta uh, like i said not not front of the rotation upside or anything like that but you know i i feel really comfortable about him we we've talked on the show before about how it's dangerous to overrate guys that we just put that mid rotation label on because so often they they kind of flame out and end up maybe just being back end guys or even even worse than that. Uh, but I would I would honestly be very shocked if Soroka wasn't able to make it in the middle of a big league rotation. Now you wrote about Colton Welker uh, with Asheville. He didn't actually play. You didn't get to see him. He's on the DL with a pubic bone issue. But were you able to get some sort of insight on as to what Welker's doing right now? Yeah, I, I talked to his manager. I talked to Colton. Uh, Colton. It, it's it's really kind of fitting um this trip like i I plan it out i mean colton welker's a guy i've been the high man on for forever uh basically since he got drafted and so it really would have been nice to watch him play and then mahoning valley oscar gonzalez is on that team i've been really high on him he wasn't in the lineup that day so that's just fitting that i didn't get to see either of those guys but uh welker he's he was like all these guys I talked to super, super nice guys, you know, Riley Pint, shed long, uh, talked to Jose Gomez, um, just really, really nice guys. Colton Wilker, nice guy, but also by far the most swag and the most, um, kind of high on himself of, of the, okay. the guys I talked to. Like he, you like can that. tell that he's like, he's always sort of been the guy, like he's never really, <laughs> had to deal with with any issues on or off the field um just t- tons of tons of swag which which i love um he he told me i asked him some stupid question about like you know were you surprised that there wasn't really much of a transition for you going from from rookie ball to low a and he's like well 
I think I can hit at any level. And he's he's a 19 year old at low A, so um, I love that confidence. And you know the the manager at Asheville was was just raving about his offense. They they just he's basically a finished product offensively. That's that's basically the gist I was getting. Like they, there's there's really nothing for him to work on at at low A. He probably wouldn't have any issues at high A either. Uh, could probably hold his own at double A right now, but it's it's defense that they're working on with him at third base. He's he played shortstop in high school, still still really working on refining that third base defense, and I think that's going to be crucial for him to to max out because at first base he could he could still be good enough with the with the stick to profile there, but uh, I really think that they they're set on, on developing him into a third baseman. So that, that's the reason why he might, when he gets healthy, he might finish out the year there, uh, at Asheville. And it, it might, he might not be moving as quickly as his dynasty league owners want him to move based on the performance offensively. 87 right now on your top 400, but you say here when you wrap up his, his, uh, paragraph there that he could be a top 50 guy by the end of the year. Yeah. And he, he'd be a top 50 guy right now. If, if, scouts agreed that he was going to stick at third base like Mm -hmm. i that's that's how much i love the bat he like his manager said he he spits on good pitches like he he really has a feel for the the barrel uh you can just tell like his his walk to strikeout numbers for a future you know 30 homer bat are, are pretty crazy like he he doesn't strike out um he's hitting for a really high average even though the the books out on him pitchers in the league know that they can't they can't come in with with first pitch fastballs against him and he he still just gets his pitch and and does plenty of damage you mentioned that you talked to shed long as well now if if colton welker's a 70 75 with the swag grade what's what's shed long swag grade looking like man uh it's a different kind of swag uh shed was you know kind of quiet confidence you know not didn't need to to pump himself up at all uh he yeah i'd probably throw like a probably throw like a 60 on shed's swag he's wearing the 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 specs uh you know the the glasses he took those off for for the interview um he he really understands the game like he he knows exactly what pitchers are trying to do to him at bat to at bat. Uh, this is a guy that he wasn't even getting everyday reps as a professional until the second half of 2015 when they, they brought him in and told him they were going to make him a, a second baseman. Uh, he was serving as a, as a part-time catcher. And ever since he started getting regular reps, he's, he's really taken off. Last year was obviously his breakout year. Uh, but like people didn't really know a ton about him last year, so I think he was getting to take advantage of of pitchers not, you know, not really being afraid to to pitch to him. And start of this year, he goes back to high A and is even better. And he's he's his numbers don't look great since the promotion of Double A, but I think a lot of that's just bad luck on balls in play. He you know Soroka got him pretty good early in this game, first two at bats, but then then Long uh, squared him up, ripped one uh, right at the left fielder for an out. But it was good to see that you know as the game went on, he had a better idea of of what Soroka was trying to do to him. Uh, love love Long. If if he hits, there's going to be a ton of power and speed here. He was 
pretty confident in himself as a guy that could offer double digit home runs, double digit steals annually. So as long as if he hits, then then this is a potential uh, top 10 second baseman. Good to see that his slow start with Pensacola, which again, attributed to some bad luck on balls and play mostly, but good to see that that hasn't really affected his rank on your top 400, still a top 90 ish type of guy. Yeah. And I think you have to look at his age uh, and not, you know, 21. he's 20, he's 21. So, perfectly fine age to be a double a but i even sort of view him as maybe even a little younger in baseball years just because he 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 wasn't an everyday player until pretty recently so i would actually look at him more as a a 20 year old if you're just going to base what he what his numbers are versus his age now you didn't get to see riley pint with Asheville, but you did talk to manager warren schaefer he seemed to give you some insight as to how pints coming along with his control yeah, I mean, he. if you look at Pint's numbers even just like a month ago, they were absolutely terrible. Like, it, it, he was walking as many guys as he was striking out pretty much. Uh, but he's kind of put things together of late, has had, you know, I think three of his last four starts have been really, really solid. And he's got, I think he's got a 1-8 ERA over his last three starts. So, I mean, he's, he's putting things together with his delivery. Uh, he's just a, he's a really big kid. He's got a electric stuff, as we all know, and it's just it's it's a lot of moving parts. I mean, that delivery, getting a, a steady delivery when when you're that size and you're throwing that hard, it's it's tough. So I I totally get it. Uh, I think these last few starts have probably made it tough for anyone to to really buy low on him in a dynasty league, but you can still probably get him at a at a pretty affordable price. I know in our staff creeper league too, uh, Nick Schlein was basically trying to give him away to me for uh, a guy like Keone Kila, uh, and I just didn't really have like pint wasn't an upgrade over any of my prospects but I mean like he he would have no problem giving up a guy like pint so I think in plenty of dynasty leagues it, it might be still a good time to go check in on what the price is on him I think he's he's a guy that I could see finishing the year really strong heading to, to high a next year and and I mean, as, as long as he's throwing strikes, the stuff is so good that I, I just don't see him running into into much trouble. It's just getting that fastball command early in the count so that he can get to his secondaries. Now, do you know if he's more of a ground ball guy? Because of course, with any Rockies pitcher, the, the thought that's looming over your mind is just, man, it's so hard unless you're just an elite elite talent to beat Coors Field. Do you know what his tendencies are are there with the batted ball profile? I am looking right now. I I would guess it's not extremely. Uh, actually, yeah. I mean, sixty percent ground ball this year. Um, that's that's pretty, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, ground out to air out is uh, one point nine nine eight, and that's that's key for where he's pitching right now. I mean, Asheville, like I said, that's a great place to go watch a game. Like you just you're gonna love the atmosphere if you go there. But I mean, holy crap! Like you and I could launch him out there. I mean, there, there's mm-hmm. a there's a short porch and left. <laughs> There's a, a really high wall in right, but I think it's like 320. Like, I mean, Whoa, it's, nice. it's, you're, you can just launch balls out of there. So, really key to keep the ball on the ground there as well. Uh, his, his changeups is his second best pitch just based on, you know, how, how well he can command it right now. Although the slider is the pitch that I think people really dream on with him. Like, it's, you know, could be a 70 grade offering down the road. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, 
couple that with the ground balls, I think that there's there's definitely a chance that he could be good enough to to be useful even in course. Now Nolan Jones kind of like shed long even though he's younger and at a different level obviously and hasn't struggled quite to the extent as long has with pensacola but jones has struggled but you are still pretty impressed with him at least based on what you saw why is that he's just got a really nice frame you know at six four one eighty five uh that's that's exactly what i want to see from a, a third base prospect that age it's he'll he'll be able to grow uh, fill out nicely, you know, get it, get up to 210, maybe 2 220 when he gets to the big leagues. Uh, he's a good athlete, but he's not, he's not going to do much with his legs on the bases. It's, it's going to be about the, the power and whether or not he can hit enough to get to that power. Really solid approach. Uh, you know, took, took one the other way, uh, took one to right field. I mean, he, He'll jump on a pitch early in the count if it's what he what he's looking for. But I mean, he he's got to be up near the the lead league in in walks in the the New York Penn League right now. So, um, you know, I think he's a guy that that's also probably a little undervalued right now. He got dropped in my TDGX league where around three hundred prospects are rostered. So, Jeez. Uh, to me, that's a mistake. Um, he was he he got a two point two five million dollar bonus last year, even though he went fifty fifth overall. So I mean, this is a this is a first round talent for sure. And you know, compared to the other guy from that class that was on this Mahoning Valley roster, who we'll talk about in a in a second, in Will Benson, uh, Jones definitely looked the part of a, a potential future big leaguer. Real quick, have you tweaked the year overall top four hundred since you got back? Just little Very stuff fun. here and there. Okay. Like I haven't done a full scale uh, overhaul of it, but I've I've thrown guys in that that belonged in. I've moved guys up, moved guys down. Just you know here and there, but it it hasn't been a, a full scale thing yet. Just wondering because I see Anderson Tejeda checking in at three twenty six. Anything you saw on your trip that maybe would affect that that ranking either way? I think he was. I think he was there before the trip. Actually, I don't think I've moved Tejeda. I've I definitely moved Benson down quite a bit. Um, but Tejeda, ah, man, I I could make a case for on my next update bumping him out completely. Honestly, it's it's just not my type of profile. Like he's probably gonna end up at second base, and you know how I've got a a soft spot for second base prospects. Uh, it's a dangerous soft spot, but yeah, but they all fit a certain mold of just crazy bat to ball skills, really good approach. You know, I'm, I'm betting on the hit tool basically with those guys, mm-hmm. uh, to you're not getting much in the way of a hit tool. You're, you're getting a guy that's selling out for power. Doesn't really impact the game with his legs. You know, maybe I, I, I threw out the best realistic scenario I can see is maybe he's a 255 hitter at second base with 20 homers and not much in the way of on base. Like maybe he gets on base like 300, 310, something like that. Like that'll be an ownable player for sure in, in 15 team leagues if that ever comes to pass. But that's not the type of guy that you want to be using a roster spot on. Yeah. And Benson, man, I have him in. <clears throat> And staff three, one of my ten minor leaguers, and the tools are what really led me to to drafting him. But yeah, based on what you said, it sounds like he's going to be a pretty big follower on the next update. Did he really just kind of 
look lost at the plate basically. Yeah. And it, I felt bad because I mean, I was really close to the, to the Mahoning Valley dugout and, you know, he just had, he had a smile on his face the whole time. Like you tell his teammates liked him. He was definitely putting his work in, uh, you know, wasn't, he wasn't going up to the plate with the intention of like having a bat at bat. It's just that he, he can't pick up spin right now. He's just has really poor strike zone recognition, you know, lots of called strikes, lots of ugly swings and misses, uh, just ah man i i wouldn't write him off yet because like you said i mean the tools are pretty crazy you when you see him i mean in this game specifically the mahoning valley against brooklyn like benson easily the best body of of any of the position players that played in this game like you would if you were just to look at these guys and say which one's the future big leaguer you'd definitely point at him it's just i mean he's gonna have to hit and so far he hasn't hit at all and uh if he, I mean, if he can't even hit 230, 240, it doesn't really matter what, what type of power projection we'll put on him. Well, you touched oh, on. And I want to say, like, actually, my, my comp on him is Bubba Starling, just based Ooh. on the, uh, the tools, the, um, you know, I think Bubba Starling today wouldn't go top five like he did back, uh, what was that, 2011 or whatever. I think today teams are are more averse to taking those just tools, very questionable hit tool guys. And then I think that's kind of reflective of where Benson went 14th overall last year. Um, But I mean, you're talking about two guys, two high school guys where you can dream all day on the, the power and the speed. And it's just really hard to make a case that they're ever going to be able to hit. Well, it sounds like I need to get to work to try to upgrade those last couple Minor league spots, maybe Shed, Will Benson, and some other geek who is a Darian Cruz. <laughs> You're a Darian Cruz as well. But you also touched on a couple other players here. You advised me, though, before the show started that not really top 400 guys, so we could probably skip them, but definitely check them out for yourself, com slash pod for a free 10-day trial. If you do not have a subscription. But, James, here we are. We are about ready to dive in to these hip-hop, top 10 albums of all time before we do though how, just kind of give me an idea how you you approach this because i think we both had the kind of a similar idea that we we want to be able to stand by these forever really and have them hold up so we're not going to get too crazy but uh i mean was there was there anything that really factored into your thinking here well so i mean i think you're, you're probably the same way with you like there were six or seven albums for me where I didn't even have to think at all. It was just, where am I putting that album? Like, yeah. it's definitely in the top ten. I just, where am I slotting it? Uh, Last couple spots, not so easy. I, I had about, in the in the whole process, there were, I think, 13 albums that I seriously considered for the top ten. And the three that I ended up uh, not including... I didn't include because to me, while I, you know, I absolutely, a couple of them, I mean, I guess I can say what they are since it's not going to be. Well, wait, maybe wait to the reveals on a few trips. Okay, cool. Um, But yeah, I mean, like I, I wanted to include albums that to me, like were not only really hot when they were released, but, you know, still hold up. Uh, albums that aren't 
the type of album where you're you're skipping around. I wanted it to be an album that you just play all the way through. Uh, you know, ones that I definitely included some and and ranked some high that you know I'm specifically very high on relative to maybe maybe a lot of people. But I didn't want to include ones where like I'm so far out there on this album when it's when it's close. Like you know, I I didn't want to. Yeah. knock something out that that everyone agrees is a classic and i was also considering just for one that was like my personal favorite um and maybe and i, I definitely valued lyricism i mean I, I think that a couple of the ones that i did not include just hit the the cutting room floor because the the lyrics just didn't really stand up to, to some of these other albums interesting yeah I, I tried to do the same because it's like it's also subjective but I want, yeah, I want these albums that, yeah, they're maybe like personal favorites of mine, but I'm not going to put like Ghetto D on this list. Sure, you know? right. Because it's just, yeah. as great as it was at yeah. the time, it doesn't really hold up that well. You kind of pick and choose your tracks on there. Maybe a personal favorite, but I, I wanted this to be something that generally was something that um, you know, I could look back at, at in 10 years and say, man, that's a pretty good list. Now this one I chose today with this final spot is kind of, a pretty subjective thing where it's just like, I have such great memories tied to this. And uh, maybe most of our listeners haven't even heard of it. I don't even know if you've heard the album, but I listened to it again recently and it really does stand the test of time, at least over the decade plus it's been out. And so I decided to, to stand by this one, but um, this is, was a tough exercise, man. It really is quick. Uh, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but do you know how many albums in your top 10 were released uh, since the year 2000? Because um, I think, I, think I... Maybe just my number 10. I think I only have two. Huh. Um, I'll have to look, but I know this one has was released after 2010, but it may be the only one. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I feel like people, maybe some of our younger listeners might be a little maybe disappointed but I, I assume a lot of you guys are are hip-hop heads and and know the albums we're going to be talking about we're not going crazy deep on all of these i mean these are definitely pretty well-known albums i think for the most part but yeah i mean i i definitely skewed towards the 90s because to me that's that's where that's where the magic happened yeah also another thing i did I and mean, we didn't really talk about this but it was just something that i kind of thought made sense and there's kind of one exception that's like the wu-tang clan with group albums and solo stuff but i just kind of tended to stick to one album from a certain artist like i'm not going to include reasonable doubt and the blueprint or illmatic and stillmatic you know i tried to pick just one from from certain artists well i can't say that i stuck to that rule that's fine but but uh i tried to just to switch it up a little bit yeah no i think that that's if i could have justified it i would have but I, i couldn't no that's fine so why don't you start us off what uh what's kicks off number 10 for you all right. Well, this is one that I, you know, I was, I was giving you some, some crap about me possibly leaving it outside of my top 10, but mm. end of the day could not, could not keep only built for Cuban links by Raekwon out. Nice. That's what I like to hear. So that's that, higher on my list. Say that. Yeah, obviously. But I'm glad to see it. Cause yeah, you left a very real hint that it was getting left off. Yeah, and in a few renditions of this list, it was out. It definitely, I was not blowing smoke there. I mean, it 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 just squeaked in, and 
to me, it's just, it, it beat out some other albums in terms of just authenticity. Uh, you know, the way it, it's a true album, like it, it flows all the way through, uh, perfectly. Like you're, you're never, I'm never listening to only both for Cuban links and, and skipping around. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just letting it play. Uh, I mean, so many, so many hot tracks. I mean, it's, it's really just, you know, there are over five tracks that I would throw, you know, at least a 70 on. Yeah. Uh, my, I think my personal favorite is Wu Gambino's, uh, the, track. the penultimate track with, with Method Man, RZA, Mastikilla, Ghostface. Uh, that's a, it's a real hot track, but I mean, there's, there's, there's a ton of fire on this album. I would definitely, yeah, I think it holds up. I think it, I think even if you're, you're not a Wu-Tang fan, I think the beats will draw you in and, and the lyrics will keep you in. So I, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Obviously, if you, you follow Clay and I, you've, you've probably heard us talk about it before. So this isn't a huge, you know, which album's that, uh, but yeah, that, that cracked in. Dude. I love that it's on there, and I'm with you that Wu Gambino's is an amazing track. Maybe because it had the video, but Incarcerated Scarfaces was one of the first tracks I really remember. I remember having it, you know, recorded onto a tape that I listened to all the time. I mean, Criminology, all oh, these yeah. tracks are... I agree, there's probably like five or six that are easy 70s on this list. And among Wu solo albums, I think there is one that's better, but... Uh, when you get the RZA production on this, it really stands the test of time. And I love that Ray and Ghost have, I've heard a couple times calling themselves the Lynx. <laughs> that's, uh, I'm into that. That's funny. I mean, I, I think, you know, people always, you know, woo heads always talk about like, what, what are the best like solo albums? This one always gets brought up. Um, I, you know, people bring up uh, Liquid Swords. I, I love that album, but to me, only built for Cuban links holds up better than liquid swords. Mm-hmm. It just, for some reason, some of the beats on liquid swords just seem a little dated to me. Um, I love liquid swords too. I, I kind of have to be in the right mood for that. I I'm in the right mood for only built for Cuban links pretty much, pretty much whenever. Yeah. And I mean, it's not that, I guess it is kind of like Ray having a little bit more swag or maybe just like more character or something like as much as I love Jizza. It's just kind of sometimes it can be a little bland. I don't know. Yeah, uh, no, I'm, I, I, I mean, you can't pick apart Jizz's lyrics. No, I mean, they're airtight, they're phenomenal. Yeah. But you're, I think you're right. Like it's not as it's not as stylistic. Yeah. Like you know, you're not you're not like oh, oh. Ray has his own vernacular. You know, yeah, his exactly. own kind of like. I mean, there are several other hip hop artists like that, but he really has his own like vocabulary, a ton of slang that he's kind of coined over the years. And he really tells tells the stories like very very few have. I'd also recommend checking out Only Built for Cuban Links Part Two. I mean, definitely listen to the first one if you haven't heard either. But if you're if you're a fan of that one, want some with maybe a little bit of an updated feel to it, mm-hmm. I think that one's a really good album. So overall grade is that like a seventy five or just going straight eighty? Uh, these are all eighties to yeah. me. I. I even a couple that probably missed my top 10, I'd probably throw an 80 on. I mean, if, if you made the top 10, it's, it's an 80 album. I mean, think how many, like think how many hip hop albums you've, you've listened to in your life. Like, I think it's, it's totally within the scouting boundaries to throw eighties on all these. Now people may not like this choice, but I had to fit this in. (laughs) Had to, 
I don't know if you are even familiar with this artist, but Southern artist signed to rap a lot records for a long time. Zero. I'm going with number 10, Let the Truth Be Told by Zero. Look, I know it's not one that you'll see on a lot of hip-hop all-time best best album lists, but this album from top to bottom really, really holds up well. I still listen to this and just really like it, even though it does have an Ashanti feature on it. <laughs> but it's first track, Mo City Don Freestyle. He freestyles over a variation of the paid in full beat. You got The Mule with Devin the Dude and, and Juvenile, Don't Want to Hurt Nobody, Platinum, really from top to bottom, this Zero album. In terms of lyrics and beats, I mean, swag, everything, it's really an incredible album. But I guess the, the disclaimer here is that you really kind of have to like Southern hip-hop, be a Southern hip-hop head. Well, I... Honestly, had not heard of the artist or the album, uh, and I feel like that's just in classic Clay Link fashion. I guess you know? I'm getting a little cute. With this. Kind of the, uh, I, I mean, I feel like you're you're sort of a, a gangster rap hipster almost. <laughs> like like if you find an album that that you love, like you're gonna you know you're gonna stand by it. And yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I certainly don't fancy myself a gangster, but I can. And I, you know, in terms of my life, can't really truly relate to any of these <laughs> stories. <laughs> but something about these stories and these, the style, because Zero kind of like, not so much like Devin, where he is kind of like an R&B artist, but Zero sings as well uh, sometimes, some of the hooks. And I just really think the the overall vibe is just such a cool, like, almost like a summary type of feel from Zero. Highly recommend this album. I I'd give an 80 across the board. If you haven't heard it, and that's why I wanted to throw one at least on here that maybe will open some people up to an artist they didn't know before. I I dig it, man. I'm I'm glad you glad you threw that in there. Uh, yeah, I, de- I know we we definitely are well aware of my album, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I definitely urge everyone to go check that one out. Uh, yeah, he's also, yeah, again, zero, let the truth be told. I also had his, uh, the chopped and screwed version of this purchased. So I was a big fan. And again, it's one where maybe I'm a little nostalgic and it takes me back to a certain time and I can't, you know, distance myself from that era of my life. But I also listened to it recently and it really does hold up really, really well. Aside from that Ashanti track, which actually is okay. Uh, there's also a Paul Wall feature on there, but... I really think that aside from maybe one track, this is an album, 17 tracks in total, that uh, is outstanding. All right. Well, this is awesome. Yeah, this um, is fun. Number nine coming up next week. Do we want to Do we want to wait till the end to like say which ones we were considering and miss the cut? Uh, well, if you have any that are like for this spot in particular, which I imagine there are because you had to fit 10 in there. Any that stand out that were very, very close? Yeah, I mean, I think the the two I'll just give away that I, you know, I, they obviously weren't, I don't think anyone that knows me expected them to come in any higher than nine or ten if they made the list. But, uh, you know, Chronic by Dr. Dre, the, the original Chronic, and uh, All Eyes on Me by Tupac were two, Two last minute cuts. Uh, 
just don't have the same attachment to those albums as I do some of these other ones. And, you know, just not a, not a big pop guy. I mean, if every, everyone who knows me probably would have been semi surprised if a pop album made it. I mean, that, that there are so many bangers on all eyes on me, but, uh, couldn't, couldn't really put it in there over, over these, the ones I have 10, nine, eight, and then chronic to me. I mean, there are some, there's some absolute, uh, bangers on there but it's it's kind of spotty you gotta you kind of gotta skip around i think a little bit on that album and i mean it it was a pioneer uh a pioneer type of album though i mean it really opened the door for for so much in terms of the the death row music scene but uh you know just a little little top heavy for me so that's that's why that one didn't make the cut but those those were definitely strongly considered for for the 10th spot yeah a couple for me that were left off were Black Star, most most definitely quality. Nice. Some tribe albums. Thought about fitting a tribe album in there, but I just couldn't really do it. Um, Cra- they have an amazing discography, yeah, they but, do, I, but there's I couldn't not just one pick that, one. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, <clears throat> the infamous. I love Mob Deep, R.I.P. Prodigy, but I just couldn't fit that one on either. But I think for the most part, I mean, moving forward, you're going to be hearing have heard of every album that's on my list. But I thought with number ten. I'd go with something that is kind of just more so near and dear to my heart personally. Nice. Well, this fun. is exciting. I can't wait till till next week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll dive into number nine next week. Uh, do you know what you're writing about next week? Man, uh, it's kind of getting to like a point in the the minor league season where you know what I'm 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 I've really been sort of hustling over the since I got back trying to uh update i'm I'm trying to get all the team top 20s as airtight as possible uh in advance of the trade deadline so that when these moves happen it's it's not me kind of because i have you know i have spreadsheets to go really deep in all these teams but i haven't updated those exact lists until this point in the season um so i'm really kind of doing an inventory of each team's system and getting getting it so that when prospects do inevitably get shipped out in the coming you know, 10 days or so that we just, we have that next guy up ready to, to slot right into the top 20. So I would definitely, um, you know, about halfway through on those. And obviously all the trades that have happened, we have, you know, fully updated those top twenties. Uh, but definitely, you know, when you're, when a trade happens and you want to see where the prospects your team acquired fit in, we'll, we'll have that updated, uh, almost in real time, unless it happens when I'm asleep, uh, those will be updated in real time. Absolutely. Well, listen to Only Built for Cuban Links and Let the Truth Be Told by Zero if you haven't heard those. We'll be back with you guys next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.